Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of The Charlie Kirk Show. Uh, I am here with the one and the only, the chief creative officer of Turning Point USA, Benny Johnson, who is going to be interviewing me. Well, we'll have a discussion on many different things about my book, that is only days away from dropping the MAGA doctrine, M-A-G-A doctrine, the only ideas that will win the future. And before we get into this discussion with Benny Johnson, Benny, say hi. Hello. Make sure you? you are subscribed to The Charlie Kirk Show. Type in The Charlie Kirk Show to your podcast provider. And we are on Spotify. Press that subscribe button. Beat The New York Times. Help us beat Michael Moore and all these other people. And email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. We got a great discussion. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hi, Benny. Hey, Charlie. Welcome to the Charlie Kirk Show. Excuse me, I'll be asking the questions here. Okay, that's right. I'm the. All right. You're the interviewer on the interview. This is a takeover of the Charlie Kirk Show. How does it feel? Powerful. Really? Powerful. I mean, you've written a book. That's correct. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's this do- is amazing. It's doing pretty well, I have to say. I'm proud of you. Well, we, we, we needed to do even better. So everyone listening, get your copy right now of the MAGA Doctrine. Harper Collins. That's huge right. Huge release. And a great picture on the cover. Amazing. Of the, the president. Hugging the flag of the United States. Who doesn't do that when they wake up in the morning? I have a flag right by my bed. Bernie Sanders. Correct. <laughs> there is a hammer and sickle red flag that he hugs every morning. Have we ever seen him and Larry David in the same place at the same time? Are you going to do your Bernie impression now? Let me be perfectly clear. <laughs> the, the, the billionaires and the millionaires. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that anymore. The billionaires took all the money. So Bernie wouldn't be able to write this book because the book on Bernie's views and worldviews already been written. It's called The Communist Manifesto. You have written the preeminent book about the MAGA doctrine. Yes. Doctrine. That's a big word. That's a $10 word there, Charlie. Thank you. Let's talk through the title. Yes. What is the MAGA doctrine? Well, it rolls off the tongue rather nicely, I have to say, but it's modeled after the idea of the Monroe Doctrine that changed the U.S. presidency and U.S. foreign policy in particular in the 1820s that basically asserted America's dominance in the Western Hemisphere. And I was thinking to myself, what is the Trump doctrine or what is the set of ideas that the Republican Party and the conservative movement can and should learn from this Trump movement? And 
I think there's a lot of people in this town as we're here in the kingdom of Washington, D.C., outside of our great country, that are just waiting for this Trump moment to be over, not the Trump movement. They want it to be over because they are dwindling in irrelevancy. They've been wrong about everything over the last 40 years. They want our borders to stay open. They want China to continue to get rich. They want our military to be depleted. They want Iran to have billions of dollars of steady cash flow. And I mean people in both political parties. But what can we actually learn from the Trump presidency to make sure that what happened to Reagan does not happen to Trump? Because right after Ronald Reagan what left the Oval Office and H.W. Bush got elected in the 1988 election against uh, Michael Dukakis, who was a ranging liberal from Massachusetts. And, of course, H.W. Bush won on a lot of different issues, but he ran on the Reagan revolution mostly. And he, he went negative on the Willie Horton ads. But as soon as H.W. Bush took office, he, he betrayed every single promise that Ronald Reagan made to the Reagan revolution base. And he went straight back to China appeasement, open borders, foolish trade deals, and not even a conservative America first agenda. So the question is, as soon as Trump leaves office, and I believe that will be after his second term, and we'll see if there's more terms after that, and the left hates hearing that, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm kidding, Media Matters, if you're listening to this. The question is, what is the set of ideas that propelled his presidency to be so successful? And what is the MAGA doctrine? Well, it's a set of ideas around American renewal, American revitalization, that we are a superior and excellent country for a reason, and that we were in managed decline over the last couple decades. And President Trump has brought forth a period of American renaissance, the likes of which the ruling class never thought was possible. And in fact, the ruling class didn't want America's middle class to do well again. They did not want our borders to actually be monitored. They did not want China to be put in check because that threatens their cash flow. That threatens their power structure. And so the MAGA doctrine is one about listening to the wants and needs of the working class. It's one of making sure the Republican Party and the conservative movement cares about the people that shower before work and shower after work, not just about what the Washington Post and New York Times says about you. The MAGA doctrine is about engaging in the seven mountains of cultural influence, which President Trump dominates better than any person has in the, in the Republican Party over the last 40 or 50 years. We can learn so much from him. Yes, philosophically. And one of the most ridiculous cheap shots that these Republicans that are waiting for this period to end is if Trump is lacking in philosophy and lacking in wisdom. Well, he's one of the most, and I mean this in a good way, shrewd and calculating, I mean, all in a good way, thinkers to take the presidency because he's never, he gets his idea base from walking job sites and being a blue collar billionaire and running a successful TV enterprise and communicating through culture. And so for the MAGA doctrine, it, it's a doctrine of foreign policy ideas of American renewal and renaissance of impartial judges fighting back against the left, punching back twice as hard, putting the left on defense, using their own terms of engagement. President Trump saw what Colbert and Kimmel and Fallon, to a lesser extent, would do every single night. And he said, well, why can't we mock them if they mock us? And President Trump used the tools of social and digital media so effectively. And so this book explains it, I think, in very specific terms of how he has been able to build a populist revolution to take back the White House and then put America on a fast track to success, the likes of which the ruling class never thought possible. Mm -hmm. What if you could combine all your credit card balances into one low fixed monthly payment? Now you can, and it's easy with my friends at Lightstream. 
Get a fixed credit card consolidation loan as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay. You can pay off your credit card balances and save thousands of dollars in interest. I know a lot of people that are suffering under this. There is a pathway out. Get a loan from 5000 to 100000 absolutely no fees. The application is 100% online, and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that when you have good credit, you deserve a low rate and great service, and that's exactly what they deliver. Lightstream does terrific work, and I know a lot of people that have really benefited from the work that they do. So just for my listeners, apply now to get an additional interest rate discount to save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Kirk. That's lightstream.com slash Kirk for an additional discount. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Kirk. Subject to credit approval. Rates include 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Kirk for more information. As a student of history, and I know that you are, you have societies that enter decline and that go through periods of what seem to be strategic and controlled decline, and then ultimately ending in the unraveling of those societies. Um, it, in my lifetime, it seems that since Reagan, the leaders of our country have been complicit in the decline of America, Yes, have been s- attempting to just slow the boulder that's going to crush all of us down the mountainside and not ever try to push the boulder back up the top of the mm-hmm. mountain. And so what other societies throughout history have gone through decline and can they be saved? Very rarely. And what President Trump is trying to do has only been done a couple times in world history. And I talk about this in the book, which is it's a defense of Western civilization, but it's also an examination of can you revitalize a nation that feels like it's in managed or inevitable decline? And so I examined Queen Elizabeth I and King Justinian, who did it with Eastern Roman Empire and basically saved Christianity as we know it. I examined Constantine, who of course started Constantinople and was the most, probably the most important singular figure for the advancement of Christianity prior to King Justinian and started basically Byzantium as we know it. Uh, I examined Abraham Lincoln, who was so critical in an actual civil war because America could have gone a very different direction if it wasn't for the leadership of Abraham Lincoln. And so I put, I put all this together and I say, ask myself, what if a country thinks it's in managed decline? What will it take? Well, it takes a leader that is outside of the political class. It takes a leader that is unorthodox, that can set a big picture vision, and to be unafraid to embrace ideas that he knows instinctively or she knows instinctively that might work and set very big goals and track your success towards it. President Trump has never been shy about aiming very, very big. And our leaders have thought so myopically throughout the years. I mean, H.W. Bush's kind of viewpoint for success is like, how do we get China to be richer? Basically, uh, you look at Bill Clinton, his viewpoint of success is how do we get more people on government benefits and how do we just run government better? And meanwhile, the middle class of our country was in total and utter decay. And President Trump has brought forth an agenda of American renewal from bringing dignity back to forgotten America through opportunity zones and the first step act and lowest ever black poverty rate and lowest ever black unemployment rate. So that's not talked about enough is that 10 million people are off food stamps thanks to President Trump and now have high paying jobs that are greater than the equivalent of the government benefit. And not one Democrat stood and applaud that during the State of the Union. They don't consider that to be success. They consider that to be a threat. 
if people are no longer going to government for value and for meaning, they're no longer useful to Democrats. So they see 10 million people that get paychecks instead of food stamps, and they think they might not vote Democrat any longer. So President Trump on every single front is doing the impossible historically, which is a country that feels like it's going through that predictable arc of civilization that you see basically every political science professor do on a college campus. With First, you have your 150 years of increase, and then you have a slight decrease, then you have a renewal, and then you have inevitable decline. And historians would say the 80s were our period of renewal, and then since then it's been declined. This was not supposed to happen, Benny. The fact that you have another renewal after a renewal with the exact same words that Ronald Reagan used, make America great again, is unprecedented. And it's built around the people that have been so horribly betrayed. And I just got to give a shout out to our founding fathers. Thank goodness for the Electoral College, because they saw this coming. They knew that a diversified electorate and a spread out electorate through a representative presidential republic is a lot more likely to succeed than just a mobocracy, which is what the left wants, which is people voting themselves benefits and being able to have the loudest voice basically demagogue their way into office. Thank goodness we have the Electoral College. Without it, President Trump would not be president, and for good reason. And so you calculate this all together. You have to ask yourself the question, even if you hate Trump, you're listening to this podcast and you think he's indecent or not politically correct, and I can make strong defenses for all the things that you think are true with those things. It's inarguable that America is not in a better position today than it was before President Obama, when President Obama was president, that on January 20th, 2017, when he took the oath of office, from that point forward, it started a period of American renewal. And the left has thrown everything they possibly could at him. Impeachment, spying on him, total and complete pathological resistance, putting every single Trump ally imaginable in the crosshairs of the media and the deep state. And he's persevered and he's going to win. Now, I hope he'll win again electorally, but No matter what happens in November, and I do think he's on a good path, I'm not as confident as other people, but he's already won the future of the Republican Party. And now it's up to the MAGA doctrine to implement those set of ideas. This, I hope, is going to be the compass and the North Star for the conservative movement to stay grounded around the success of the Trump presidency. So it's a Trump movement, not a Trump moment. So the Reagan doctrine is something that's crystallized in conservative lore, right? Everyone has the Reagan revolution, the Reagan doctrine. It's a place that has truly been dipped in lacquer, so to speak, and bronzed and put up on a statue in, as something we should all ascribe to. But you're saying that the Reagan revolution didn't actually carry through past his presidency. Uh, one, what are the connections between Reagan and Trump? You see as far as personality connections, leadership connections, and how does the Trump revolution, the MAGA doctrine, as you're saying, s- prevent itself from the eventual decline, the way that the Reagan revolution well, declined well, so quickly? President Reagan was phenomenal, and he was a president that came out of nowhere and was unpredictable. Let me start with the, the um, similarities between Trump and Reagan, because there's a ton. They both were masters of the medium of television. Ronald Reagan was a TV star and a movie actor. President Trump had the number one TV show, The Apprentice, six million nightly viewers, absolutely dominated. Uh, Ronald Reagan was discounted by people in his own party as a rebel and as a cowboy and by the media as someone that was going to lead us recklessly into war with the Soviet Union. Uh, President Reagan and Donald Trump both inherited garbage from the previous president. And both of them immediately got hostages back in the first couple months, Reagan first couple hours. 
Trump and Reagan both had the greatest and most booming economies for the longest period of time, despite the prognosticators thinking it's not possible in the in the 80s. And now what we're seeing in this period of American renewal and renaissance, uh, President Trump and Ronald Reagan have both been unafraid at fighting the greatest threat to America, which is leftism. President Reagan's biggest threat to America was leftism in the Soviet Union. President Trump fights leftism domestically. He knows that the threat of leftism is the greatest threat, geopolitically or otherwise, to the fabric and the soul of our country. They have so much in common. Um, and it's going to be up for, to the next president and whoever it is. And I don't, I don't want to make it too forward thinking where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I want, you know, I, I'm just looking past Trump because I'm not. But it'd be foolish not to look for the next century because there are people that are waiting in the wings and looking at their watches, just praying that a year from today, Trump is no longer president. That are Republicans, by the way. And they want to go back to the open border, pro-China, appeasement doctrine of the left so they can go back to the cocktail parties so their spouses can sit on the right museum boards in Washington, D.C. And all of a sudden they can be loved again and that they can be appreciated again. They don't have to defend what they consider to be indecent for flyover country and the deplorable so the ruling class can continue to be insulated. They can't wait for that moment. And I actually want this to continue. I want this raucous ride of challenging orthodoxy and pushing back against this nonsense of enriching this kingdom, which does nothing and no good whatsoever for the rest of the country, I want this power base to be destabilized continually for the next hundred years. And I think the Republican Party politically and philosophically will succeed the more that we embrace those ideas. So look, Trump and Reagan have so much so much in common. And the, the, the one thing that worries me, though, is that a lot of this can be undone. I mean, we can re-enter mm-hmm. the Iran deal. We can mm-hmm. get back into TPP. We can reopen mm-hmm. our borders we can get back in the Paris Climate Accord. We can ban fracking through executive order. We can get rid of the free speech on college, cam- you know, the college campus order that President Trump signed that you know, Turning Point USA was present for. That really worries me. Mm-hmm. All this amazing success can be undone very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it might be undone by a Republican president. Because mm-hmm. never underestimate Republicans, traditional Republicans' willingness to want to be loved by the D.C. cartel. Never yes. underestimate that. Yes. And Trump doesn't care about that at all. In fact, Trump has done something so beyond radical and so unprecedented. He does what he said he was going to do. He moves the embassy. I wouldn't be surprised if a Republican moves it back because he just told because he wants the Washington Post to get off his back or something. I wouldn't be surprised if he unrecognizes the Golan Heights or if he gives billions of dollars to Iran or if he sends reparations to pay for the assassination, not the assassination, but the killing of Qasem Soleimani. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those things. And so you add that all together, you have a sense of urgency for the conservative movement, and I address that in this book. Where does that come from? Because it doesn't seem like the left enjoys controlled decline. It seems like when the left is being pushed back, they fight like savages in order to keep the ground that they have. You hear it screaming in the streets every single day in this city where I live. It is a march every day screaming, protesting Trump doing everything they can physically, audibly, to fight this administration and what they are doing. But on the right, you have the Jeb Bushes, you have the McCains, you have the Romneys, who seem to love controlled decline. It seemed to be that was what the Republican Party was about. That was what conservatism writ large, Inc., was about, was embracing controlled decline and what nice things could be written about us in the Washington Post and the New York Times. Yes. and Where does that come from in our party? But they're not movement conservatives. They're status quo managers, and they use the ideology as a disguise and camouflage to enrich themselves. They just look at it as a business, and they look at it. I mean, of course, I think some of them love America, but they look at it as, yeah, we're going to say a bunch of things and get people fired up, and then that will allow us to have 
some form of a political enterprise that we can make our living this way. And that's disgusting. It's reprehensible. Part of the thing that living in Washington does is give me a little bit of an insight into how government is run from a human and personnel perspective. A lot of my friends, neighbors, they work on the Hill. They work at the RNC. They work inside of large think tanks. And something that has happened that has been phenomenal over the past number of years is as Trump gains in power and as people start to realize that there is truly a movement here, a doctrine that is crystallized Mm -hmm. in your book, they're starting to purge. The people who didn't, who are sacrosanct to the movement are starting to be pushed out. People are starting to be told you're either on board or you're not. And that this is something that this is a movement and this is a place we are going. And it's, it's unbelievable. And the main demarcator of all of these things is fighting. Yes. Can you fight? Are you willing to fight for your beliefs? That's right. And you're starting to see actual fighters. In Congress, you're People starting with to real see, conviction. Yes, not this um, Munchausen by proxy, where it's like, please, Look, think, think please the, love me, please love me. Think of the Republican Party we once had. We had Denny Hasser, as Speaker of the House. He was a horrible guy, by the way. He's been arrested for the horrible thing. He was a status quo Republican. I mean, think of the Republican Party that we had to live with for the last twenty years. Yes. Yes. And people wonder, oh, I wonder why we lost young people. We're winning young people again. Yes, because we have the most awesome president we could possibly imagine that engages in culture and is unafraid to speak to the needs and wants of an anxious generation that's been lied to by the ruling class. And so you look, we absolutely have fighters. We have people that are unafraid to take stands. And I think we need to fight harder. The left has been fighting for 40 years. And we were a naturally conservative country because of our Christian roots and because our Judeo-Christian value system and because of our work ethic and because of the sacrifice and the generosity embedded in the American spirit. It's taken the left 40 years to deconstruct that. And I actually think we're more of a conservative country than people realize. I think Obama was an aberration. I think Obama was capitalized a lot on Bush hatred and the un the unpopular war and the recession. I actually don't think the country was nearly as far left as Barack Obama tried to persuade us that we were. Hmm. In fact, he ran almost as a conservative. In fact, Barack Obama was running on issues that Republicans wouldn't run on in 2020, Hmm. like marriage being between one man and one woman. That's what he ran on in 2008. He ran on hard work. He ran on faith. He ran on, there's no red states or blue states, only the United States of America. Now we deal with Maxine Waters, that apparatchik, who says we got to get up in people's faces and scream and find them wherever they are in gas stations and make their life miserable. This is what we have to deal with now. And so I think it's further, I think it's further disenfranchising the, the fabric of the Democrat party. And so the question is this, is how far to the left has America actually gone? And that question remains to be answered. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I believe that because of our education system and the indoctrination factories that we have throughout our country, we're losing it quicker than we would ever be comfortable with. And what I just find to be so tragic, which is why I think the book is so important. um, 30 years ago, we brought down the Berlin Wall. And one thing I'll never understand, and we'll never get, we got one answer from H.W. Bush, and no historian really ever pushed him for it. Only one person did. After that wall fell, and the most sinister, evil, horrible ideology ever, and the symbol behind it crippled, what did H.W. Bush do? Do you know, Benny? push for reunification of germany yeah he did that but do you remember his speech i do not because he didn't give one do you know why he he scared that the commies won't like him 
the commies in our country probably. He didn't want to rub it in. H.W. Bush could have flown to Berlin, and he should have, and given a speech that um, that the world would never have forgotten, saying, you know what, I am going to rub it in, you sinister, evil maniacs that entrap millions and millions of people behind this unspeakable ideology, and it's never going to happen again. In fact, he could have advanced freedom more in one speech, spiking the football and celebrating, and that that embodies everything that is wrong with where Republicans were the last 50 years. I didn't want to rub it in, really. They had missiles pointed at our country. They enslaved people in gulags. They tried communist revolutions in Cuba and Zimbabwe and India and Pakistan, you name it. Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. They killed Americans, and we didn't want to rub it in. You, what do you think Trump would... You think right now, if there was... The equivalent, there really isn't an equivalent. But let's say that there was a people uprising in North Korea. North Korea gets totally usurped. Do you think Trump would give a speech that says, you know what? We love freedom and capitalism in the West. Of course he would. Because you would see that as a moment. And He'd and, give that speech in Pyongyang. Of course. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't think that history is taught enough. And people are like, oh, H.W. Bush was being a true gentleman. I don't think we have to be gentlemen to communists. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that's really in the playbook for me. Maybe, maybe it is for... People that want to keep on getting invited to communist cocktail parties here in Washington, D.C. Like, I, I don't think they're not. Do you think they're gentlemen to us? Do you think that do you think that if the Soviet Union tore down America, that they wouldn't give a victory speech? So I, I started this by saying it's amazing to me that 30 years ago we brought down the wall. And now 30 years later, we're, we're the Democrat Party, a major political party in America, one of two, is ready to nominate the very same ideology that we brought the wall down. So we beat them geopolitically, and the communists laughed. And they said, just wait. Wait a decade. Wait two decades. Wait three decades. Because you guys are going to fall. Because we're sending our communists for you. And they infiltrated our schools. And they infiltrated our textbooks. And they infiltrated Hollywood. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. This is well documented. And it is all over our country. It's from China. It's from the Brotherhood in the Middle East. They all are cheering for communism. If you want the downfall of our country, Bernie Sanders is the greatest advocate for you imaginable. I mean, if I hated America, I would love Bernie Sanders. It's amazing that you brought up Hollywood there because your grandfather's Hollywood, there were actors like John Wayne and directors kicking out communists, kicking out communist actors and screenwriters from Hollywood because they viewed them as antithetical to America. And this to was an part actual- of McCarthyism, which I'm not going to go as far as defending McCarthyism, but it is widely represented in history. That's right. all I have to say. So without trying – without either endorsing one side or the other – I think McCarthyism did go too far and all that. You're talking about such a violent shift. I mean could you – like Hollywood is where every communist in America now lives, right? And so – And D.C. And, and the education and system. And D.C. You're right about communist cocktail parties, by the way. They're terrible too. They're too much vodka. Um <laughs> What part of the MAGA doctrine, what portion of the MAGA doctrine crystallizes the fight? Like, what is it about the backbone and the belief of something that actually makes up the MAGA doctrine? Because that you, you, you've mentioned now four times the breakdown between Reagan and Bush. And that seems to be such a schism point in the book. Yes, it is. For you. It is equivalent of Orthodox Protestant schism. Yes. Seriously. So how much of that is... For American political equivalent, but yes. And that schism seems to be going along the lines of not being able to rub it in, not being able well, I mean, to spike example, the football. Well, I mean, a great example, why did George W. Bush speak at the March for Life? Not once. It's because he was married to a pro-abortion activist. It's true. 
And, and we as conservatives were like, okay with that. And so it's amazing to me that, you know, President Donald Trump, who is not one that 20 years ago you would think would be the number one advocate for life, is all of a sudden the most pro-life president in American history. It's pretty extraordinary. What is the tenet that will keep this from not having the schism moment? There, so there is Donald no guarantee. Trump wins again. There's no guarantee. In fact, it's likely to revert back to establishment politics. But the book you've written is a roadmap. Yes. And so part of the roadmap now. is what we're doing at Turning Point USA. Part of the roadmap is what you do every single day online, which is the constant drumbeat of people being their own activists and having their voice be heard. The establishment is terrified of human beings. The establishment is terrified of actual people. The, the establishment wants to deal with technocratic lobbyists and not actually have to deal with the needs and wants and concerns of a disenfranchised middle class. And so the solution and why Trump has been so brilliant with this, and one of the one of the reasons that saved this presidency is the fact he never stopped doing rallies. The fact he never stopped doing rallies will go down, in my opinion, in the history books as one of the most brilliant political moves in American history because it was a daily reminder to the press I still got them. They're fired up. And he was communicating directly to the people that elected him. It was almost like a shareholder's report and a status report. And so there's no guarantee that we're not going to revert back to establishment politics. In fact, we have to use this as a warning sign and a fire alarm that it actually probably will. And look, if if you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, yeah, I really hope China gets more powerful. And I can't wait for more people to pour across our border. And I really want the middle class to do poorly then fine, do nothing. But if you're really worried and anxious that our country is at a precipice of being taken over by the radical left and by the Marxists and by these these people that have venom for America, then this book is for you because it it will outline a very specific roadmap of ideas and actions and, and a worldview that can be implemented through policy on the state, local, and federal level. And then we have far too emphasis just on the presidency. It matters a lot, but the left is cleaning up right now on local government. And people listening to this podcast, I'm going to talk about this in an upcoming speech. I mean, we love our president. We appreciate our president. And we should. He's doing an unbelievable job. Meanwhile, George Soros is taking over school board races all across the country. And if you can name your president, but you can't name your six school board members, then you're doing politics wrong. I mean, the president has a lot of authority. That's great. But that's where they're infecting and polluting the minds of the youth. That's where they're teaching us that men and women are exactly the same in this transgender nonsense and Planned Parenthood sex education at eight and nine. And so what the MAGA doctrine also embodies is doing what the left has always done, which is hard for conservatives, which is perpetual activism. That's a hard thing for conservatives to do because we actually want to live our life and go to church and raise a family and go to work. That's part of the MAGA doctrine is that President Trump has been relentless. Since he got into politics, there's not been a minute that he has not been hyper-focused, laser-focused on bringing this country back to excellence. With this new year, it's time to get started on improving yourself. No one knows that better than one of my favorite sponsors, Vincero. They do great. Mr. Producers is wearing the watch right now. These guys know just how important it is to look and feel your best, and they are here to help you keep motivated through 2020 and beyond. If you're looking to upgrade your look, don't waste money on a cheap cookie-cutter watch that doesn't get you noticed. Finding a watch that's stylish, bold, and built to last can cost a pretty penny. Vincero Watches is changing that. They believe you deserve to look good no matter what your budget is. You deserve better than settling for something underwhelming. So right now, head to VinceroWatches.com and check out my favorite picks and take advantage of my special discounts while you shop. Remember to use the code KIRK, K-I-R-K. Vincero understands the frustrations of online shopping. These guys get it. And that's why they make it easy and possible for you. 
Vincero offers free shipping and 30-day returns and guarantees your watch for two years. It's stress-free shopping with fair and honest prices. When you put it on, you immediately know you get more than you paid for. It's the best value for your money, guaranteed. That is why Vincero has over 20,000 five-star reviews on their site, and you can read it for yourself. No matter who you are, what your job is, how old you are, or where you live, there will always be an occasion when you'll want or need to look your best. Dates, interviews, weddings, nights out interviews, you want to be the one that stands out with the one being this year, put yourself in a position to accomplish your goals to feel your absolute best. So I'm telling you right now, don't overpay for a watch that looks cheap and disappoints. This is a timepiece you'll use. This is a timepiece that will last. This is something that will help you look and feel incredible so that you'll feel prepared to take on a day and accomplish everything you set out to do this year. So this deal really is too good to pass up. Go to VinceroWatches.com, that's V-I-N-C-E-R-O, Watches.com. Use my discount code Kirk, K-I-R-K, for a discount at checkout. Do not pay full price on these beautiful timepieces. Use my code K-I-R-K, Kirk, at checkout. What is it with the youth? You're seeing now the rise of socialism, popular on college campuses. Yes. Wasn't it just 20 years ago? 30 years ago, the Berlin Wall falling? Yes. How quickly does this germinate inside of the minds of the students? And how did this happen? Because this seems to be the number one force right now on the left. They're nominating a communist for president. Their stars are all communists. Ilhan Omar, Rashida Taleb. Ayanna Pressley, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all of them. This, This is it. It is the grandfather's Democratic Party is gone. It is a reanimated corpse. That has been reanimated by Karl Marx in the form of the new and sexy socialist. How did that happen? And how can the MAGA doctrine prevent America from becoming a socialist country? Yeah, and look, one of my worries about all this, though, is that the left, in a very sinister way, they want to get the socialist scare out of the way. And so this is a contrarian theory, but I think the socialists want this fight. They know they're going to lose, but long term, they know they're going to win. So I think they want to have a Cuba apologist out there saying these sorts of things so that the next time it comes around, maybe you'll say, oh, we've already, maybe it's not that bad. Uh, someone's already made a forceful defense of it. Young people, when I go to college campuses, people are so terrified when they say, oh, Bernie says great things about Fidel Castro. No, when I go to college campuses, I hear nothing but good things about Cuba as a great model for America. And so people, have, and I, again, it's, it's, it's awfully predictable. I mean, the Bible tells us you give me you give me your children, give me the future. It doesn't say it that explicitly. The communists said it that way, but the, the Bible says it basically. You know, the hearts and minds of children are some of the most prized possessions, and it's totally true. And the Marxists have laid their stake at the university campuses that whatever happens on college campuses will soon happen in the halls of Congress. And we're seeing that play out. And we are seeing this playbook of the left to engage in culture. So I want to talk about that, which is President Trump is more than just trying to pass tax cuts and trying to get good policy passed. He's trying to be a president and also engages in culture. He does a great job of it. And in fact, I think he should do more of it. I think when he, when he's able to make people laugh and make people challenge the status quo thinking of the left is his greatest moments of his presidency. When he uses the Game of Thrones, sanctions are coming. Or when he's not afraid to tweet out a meme or a funny video. The left does the exact same thing to us all the time. They just have proxies do it. All of a sudden, when a president does it, you're not allowed to. Since when? You guys dominate culture all the time. You guys dominate every single late night show. You dominate every single major movie. And all of a sudden, a president decides to make one little piece of 
intelligent mockery towards you and we're supposed to say, oh, that's not presidential. No, he's he's going after the greatest threat to our country. He's just doing it asymmetrically. And I think we should be unashamed to call the left the biggest threat to our country. And that's another thing I always get in a discussion with with certain journalists and people I talk to. Like, well, Charlie, you use really heated language. Like, I'm sorry, which side tore up the State of the Union address? And which side stayed seated when the president al- announced the lowest ever disabled unemployment rate? I really And th- they have contempt for our country. They just do. And there is something wrong with that. You know, I was going to be, it's, it's tempting. Oh, there's nothing wrong. With that. No, there's actually something really wrong with that. There is. And when you have a representative government where the Speaker of the House is tearing up a speech of the President of the United States and the media just glosses over it like it's nothing, th- this is, this is not, this is not going in a way that will end well unless the President gets reelected. And if he gets reelected, he needs to metaphorically rule with an iron fist and he needs to show the left that this country is not for the taking by the socialists and the Marxists. And that's all these people understand. They will never understand appeasement. You give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And they've shown that time and time again. And so the MAGA doctrine examines how the president has been able to engage so successfully in culture and communicate in ways that past Republican and conservative presidents never would have in the past. You predicted AOC. I did, and I was mocked for it. You saw AOC. You remember that speech I used to give, right? You saw her on campus. That's right. I, I, I've given this speech a couple times, and it's not it's not without evidence. And you can go back in the archives of my speeches. But three, four years ago, I used to go to audiences, and I would say, you know that there's going to be a clueless, young, probably ethnically diverse socialist that will take over the Democrat Party sometime soon, and people would laugh. Like, oh, in socialism, that's over-exaggerated. You're, you're not seeing it. And by the way, I've, I've written a piece on this. Bernie Sanders can become president of the United States. Bernie Sanders can win. You, you have to internalize it, believe it, and act on it. Those three things. No more mockery, no more laughing, no more dismissiveness. This guy can be president. And so I had a really good friend of mine say, well, Charlie, I'm really glad you believe it. Between us, I don't believe that. I said, no, I believe it. In fact, I see it. I see him getting sworn in on some sort of atheist book, you know, Communist Manifesto or Das Kapital. He won't get sworn in on the Bible. He doesn't believe in it. He's an atheist. He's a, he's a secular leftist. That's his religion. Leftism is his religion. And so he absolutely can become president of the United States. He could boost turnout in college campuses to the likes of which we've never seen before. You know, President Trump always likes to say, you know, my voters came out of the rivers and the valleys and the mountains and the streams, and I don't know what they were doing in the streams, but they came out of the streams and he's right. And I, I don't know what, you know, it's kind of funny and he's kind of making light at it. But I'll tell you, there's not enough people in the mountains, rivers and valleys and streams to make up for the 23 million people that are on college campuses across the country. And if Bernie continues to grow his support and model his support, he can become president of the United States. And I've, I've run the numbers. I've seen it. About 15% of people that voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary back in 2016 voted for Donald Trump. If Bernie's, Bernie's biggest vulnerability is immigration. I mean, he's an open border socialist, which if he was a clo- if he used to have the immigration position that he held in 2013, where he used to say we need less immigration, we need elite, that immigration is a tool of the corporate elite to try to drive down wages, he would actually be a lot more attractive to people in the Midwest. Now his immigration position is absolutely untenable. It's untenable. And I think that's going to be his biggest vulnerability. But he could overcome it. I mean, he's overcome saying that we need abortion for population control. That literally is what he said. He said, we need less human beings because it's going to be good for the environment. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I He's a eugenicist. Talk it. about that, Benny. I couldn't believe it. But people don't believe it when I say it. So Bernie Sanders did say this when asked on a CNN town hall about population control and global warming and how 
reducing the population of the world is actually the best thing you could do for global warming. And Bernie Sanders says, yes, yes, I'm going to look into that. It was horrifying. He got absolutely no pushback by our establishment access media, but he absolutely said that. And it was horrific. It was, it was eugenics on display. And the most evil ideologies, Nazism, communism, are eugenic ideologies that believe in the destruction of human beings because they are actually the sole evil. So it's just pu- it's just pure insanity. I mean, it's eugenic insanity. Yes. But that's what all evil... Well, Mao used to say that if you lose a couple million people, no big deal. And when you don't believe in God, then right and wrong is just merely an opinion. I mean, if you don't believe in God, then human life can be argued into just a clump of cells. I mean, if you believe in a godless worldview then there's nothing unique about humanity. And there's no big deal if a couple million people get wiped out. There's no soul. There's no, there's nothing to argue other than, well, that's just, that's just another clob of DNA that can just be, we're just, it's just a machine based. It's just like a human programmed, you know, DNA set. And that's nonsense. I mean, human beings have dignity and I'm not saying every secular person or atheist person believes that, but if you don't believe in God, it's very easy to argue yourself into that. And that's where that's the Bernie Sanders worldview. It's an evil ideology. Of course it is. Your your true expertise level is on the college campus. Young people. That is probably makes up ninety percent of your audiences, ninety-five percent yes. of your audiences, probably makes up ninety-eight percent of your speech locations. You speak to young people and on college campuses all the time, perhaps more than any other person on the circuit. I, arguably, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean it's a lot. What is the future? You were able to predict AOC. From your time on campus. So what do you see now, today, in the present day? Well, I, I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. One is that conservatives are going to da- demand more than just economic um, promises. What do I mean? Like, low taxes, uh, free market solutions are things I'm passionate about. And they really resonated three, four years ago with my target audience. 18, 19, 20-year-olds that are entering college, they're wanting more than that. And there's more than just arguing about what macroeconomic policy might be most effective for a society or what what is the greatest utility out of an economic system. And I think there's I think there's a lot of wisdom to learning from like where Jordan Peterson was so successful, which is bringing order into a disorderly, chaotic world that the left has created. And so that's where saying, no, there's only two genders, is going to win us more converts than you could ever imagine. That's where it's saying biological women should not be competing in sports against biological men. And you could say that backwards. Biological men should not be competing in sports against biological women, however you want to word it. That's where standing for life matters more than ever before. The indulgent culture of the left, and this is why I've shifted my view on marijuana, and I get plenty of people that are hateful on it. How much more cultural terrain do we have to cede to these left's pet projects to say that we're losing our country. And uh, do I think someone should get, get locked up for the rest of their life because I do weed? No. Do I think it makes us a better country? Absolutely not. And I, I look at our country as if it's an extension of what I love and what I care about. And when I see people smoking weed with regularity and glamorizing it, I don't think that's a good thing for our country. And so, by the way, a lot more young people are agreeing with that than ever before. There's a retaliation against weed culture, and there's a retaliation against the indulgence culture. And so that's what's happening on the conservative side. And there's going to be a collision the likes of which people have never seen before. 
between and the best way I could bracket it, and this is not this is an oversimplification, is rights-based conservative versus common good conservatives. That's kind of the that's the collision that's going to happen. And I see I see the argument both ways in a lot of different capacities. But the biggest issues that are going to be facing are going to be tech, immigration, culture, willingness to fight the left, and social conservative issues that I think are going to have a revival. Where's the left going? I'm waiting for them to finally have a civil war. This is a fake. This is a little bit of a civil war with Mike Bloomberg. I want a full-throated fight within the left, and it's going to happen. And so it's because leftism has no guiding principle. It's because leftism has no anchor. So if you ask 100 leftists one by one and they don't hear each other's answers, what's the most important book for a leftist? You got 100 different answers or 90 different answers or 80, whatever. Manifesto, Das Kapital, Thomas Piketty, whatever. You ask a conservative, what's the most important book to the worldview for you? You're going to hear one of two answers if they're informed correctly, the Bible or the Constitution. And the, the, the Constitution is not a book. It's a document. It's because we actually have a moral anchor to why we believe what we believe, a universal, objective book that can tell us what right and wrong actually is. That has inspired the greatest society ever to exist in the history of the world. So that's what I see coming, and I see it coming rapidly. And I think that people need to inform themselves that there's going to be amazing retaliation against the cultural left, and it's more than just economics. It's more than just low taxes and less regulation. I love those things, by the way. I love it, and I can argue it really well. But if you want to win the hearts and souls of the next generation, you got to point to them and say, I'm going to argue for a worldview and a representative government that is going to take you out of chaos because that's where you're living right now. That's going to challenge the cartels of the colleges. That is going to challenge the tech titans and the elites. That is going to stop this free flow of endless immigration into our country. And for some people that are 40s and 50s, they're, they're surprised to hear me say this. They're like, what are you talking about? Young people are socially liberal and all this. No, they've been living under that lie for the last 10 years, and they're looking for a retaliation and a rebellion from that. And we're going to be well positioned for that. I really believe that at Turning Point USA and for you and, you know, you and me personally. And, uh, we have truth on our side. Uh, in conclusion here, one of the, Things that you have been able to do with your career is to predict the future, to see the need for a Turning Point USA, to see the need for this on campus, to see this revolution coming over the hill before anyone else could. Who could have predicted AOC? Because of your proximity to this battle, this argument, and the book MAGA Doctrine, what does the MAGA Doctrine look like if victorious 20 years from now? What does it look like if the MAGA doctrine is continued 20 years from now? And what is the alternative reality if this is thrown into the dustbin, if we become ashamed of our victories, and if we don't want to rub it in any longer and we go back to America no, look, and, and I'm not, I'm not arguing for us to be overly braggadocious or for us to be jerks to the left. And I mean, I think there's lines and decency that you know we want to you know keep ourselves What are the two to? realities? 20 years from now, if you could predict. Yeah, so that's a great question. What are the two realities? If, we, if we're successful, Benny, we're going to have a conservative movement that obliterates the kingdom of Washington, D.C. and makes this place the antagonist and makes the carpenter in Cincinnati, Ohio, the good guy. If we're unsuccessful, we're going to allow the left to grow this enterprise People call it the swamp. We're going to allow them to grow this monolith 
so big and so vast. And we're going to become an appeasement, agreeable party that just allows us to continue to go along to get along. The left will not waver from their commitment to destroy this country. They're not going to. And I used to say that four or five years ago, and people on the right would say, you can't say that. I don't get that very much anymore, especially when they're about to nominate a Bolshevik as the head of their party, which is with unconscionable positions. And so where I think the opportunity lies in us as conservatives is to learn from the populist movement as a citizen revolt peacefully against a ruling class that has been so deceitful to them. As Tucker Carlson rightly points out, the ship of fools and the bipartisan cartel that have that has ignored the wants and needs of our country. And President Trump was so successful at doing this. So 20 years from now, I know exactly where the left is going to be. They are going to be more firm in their persecution of Christianity and religion. They will not stop outside of your church. They want to get behind the dais of your synagogue, and they want to tear it down. They want to demonize and destroy the church. That's going to be their new religion of leftism. I can write the book because I understand the left. I've studied the left. In fact, people say, Charlie, you've never gone to college. Thankfully, no, in the traditional sense, but I've majored in leftism. I know the left better than any other organism out there. And I don't know it better than anyone else. Dennis Prager knows it even better than I do because he spent time in the Soviet Union. But I've learned from these people. And I've read everything they've, almost everything I can get my hands on that they've published because they've fought the left for the last 40, 50 years. They're not going to stop. The question though, Benny, is where's the right going to be 20 years from now? I don't know the answer to that question. I can tell you where I want it to be. And that's why this book matters. I project where I want the conservative movement to be in 20 years from now, where I think it can be. And it's a book of optimism. President Donald Trump has been a gift. He's been an amazing gift to the conservative movement. The more he's in office, the more I hear people say, and I say, yes, what have these leaders been doing the last 20 years? My father said that, and I'll never forget it. And I loved it. And he said, I don't know what these politicians have been doing the last 10 or 15 years. I say that natural conclusion is going to bring more people to challenge the elites than anything else. He's making them look like what they are. And I'm not going to over, I'm not going to use names. It's not worthy. It's not even worthy of expressing those names. And there are some good ones here and there that stand and fight, but they're so few and far between many. There's so few because politics in DC is not what the founding fathers thought it would be. They never thought you would need term limits because they didn't think that you would want this job for an extended period of time. You'd have to leave your ranch or leave your farm or leave your land and leave your family and come here to DC in the summer with no air conditioning on a horse and battle with other people and then go. It was true representative government. Who would want to do that for more than a couple of years? It sounds horrible. Now it's a cottage industry of influence. It's a cottage industry of exploiting the middle class in our country. And that's one of the reasons why Bernie Sanders is succeeding is because he uses that language conclusion wrong. Trump uses that language and the correct assessment conclusion correct. I know where the left is going to be. The question is, where is the conservative movement going to be? I want a vibrant, grassroots, people-centered, energetic movement that is about sovereignty of our country, trade deals that work, an American economic renaissance and renewal, fair and impartial judges, and recognizing the left and fighting them more than they fight us and putting them on defense. When the left is on defense, America succeeds. Just to put a button on 
what you were saying about Washington, D.C. and the swamp and exactly how real your critiques are. Here's a real world story about living in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. At my home, we have a tradition where we welcome anyone who moves into the neighborhood. We bring them some flowers. We bring them a bottle of champagne and we say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Someone moved in, a couple moved in uh, down the street from us, a southern couple, and we brought them flowers. We brought them the champagne. They explained who they were. They were Republicans. They were conservatives. This is great in my neighborhood. Fantastic. And then they explained how ashamed they were to be conservatives, how they lie. And whenever they get into an Uber or whenever they go to a party, they tell people they work for Doug Jones, Democrat elected in Alabama. They lie about what they do. Guess where they work? The RNC. This is how ashamed people were to be Republicans in the city and how scared we were before Trump to fight or to even just say what you were. Yes. To speak your to speak your truth if you were to grab a leftist saying, right? My truth. My truth. It was it was humiliating. Those were the people who were running the party. And now in a time of Trump, those people are gone. Yes, well and, and they're they've left for now and they're waiting to come back. Every conservative, every movement conservative out there that wants a strong America and wants to continue the success of the Trump presidency. I highly encourage you to check out the book, find it on Amazon. You can pre-order it today. Depending on when you're listening to this, you'll be able to purchase it. We want to make a bestseller, and we totally appreciate if the Charlie Kirk Show audience can help us get there. It's going to be awesome. The book is incredible. Thank you. Pick up the book, MAGA Doctrine. Congratulations again. This is going to be a wild week for you. Big media tour coming up. Yeah, it's massive. All right. You'll we got be events sick. in Birmingham, Alabama. We got events in the villages. I don't know how many podcast listeners we have in the villages. Florida, Arizona, we're going all over the place. We are on a crusade to make the bestseller list. And I hope we do. And if we don't, you know, we'll try again some other time. But uh, I'm going to work very hard at it and things are looking good. And uh, we want, we need your pre-orders. We would love, nothing would make me happier to see in all caps, M-A-G-A doctrine on the New York Times bestseller list. So if everyone chips in and buys a copy of the book, you guys can help us get there. For the good of the country, order the MAGA doctrine. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Charlie. Hey, everybody, have you listened to our show on Spotify yet? If not, give it a try. If you have, tell a friend. Send them the link to our show on Spotify. We're finally on Spotify, Charlie Kirk Show on Spotify. And when you do, be sure to follow our show page. That way you'll get all the new episodes as they come out. Find them in your library. Download the Spotify app for free now. Simply search our show to start listening. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.